This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. And, and I lost some Walters. <laughs> oh, yeah, got it. <laughs> Snuck it in there and before this is I was. Southwell, and we are Faith FM, and we are coming to the time of encounter with God. But before we do, I have uh, to. Dr. Zven is still with us also, which yes. is going to be I great. am indeed. I am indeed. Okay, but we've got to do another clue for the quiz, which Lyle doesn't know. Here we go. I do know. Jesus was. Okay, <laughs> this is going to give it away. Jesus was this many years old when his parents found him in the temple questioning. The teachers. Do you know? Do you know how um, old he was? Let me think. Let He's me thinking think, really think. hard. I, I I can't guarantee that there's no double prize until he writes down a number. So if you give us a call one hundred three two four eight four three, you can get double prizes still. See if, he, see if you can get it before I write this number down. Okay, so I'm giving please you please call us one eight hundred three two four eight four three. Give us a call. You remark, win a prize. Mark through these other ones. Well, <laughs> so you're on the right track. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so unfortunately, double prizes have gone out the door, out the window. Just a single prize today, but that's still good. Give us a call, please. Call us if you know how how old Jesus was um, when his parents found him in the temple questioning his teachers. Give us a call. Do you know how old Jesus was, Ben? I think I do, yes. Yeah, don't say. Ah! He's, he's, he's 17. Oh. oh, oh, I gave it away. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not 17. He was 34. Oh, controversial. Ooh. <laughs> you guys are just trying to lead our listeners astray. Oh, we wouldn't preaching, do preaching, that. Preaching, preaching heresy. Stumbling blocks. There is, there, is, there is heresy on Faith FM this did, morning. Did you just multiply my 17 by 2, just like that? Is that well... That's, that's pretty amazing. And, uh, it was kind of, but it was also a joke about how, like, Jesus only lived to 33, so it couldn't have been 34. But I, so, I did multiply. You did. I, that was two. pretty, pretty yeah. amazing. Are you 34? <laughs> Am I 34? Are you 34? Is that why, why it came out as well? No. I'm just no, trying no, to no. figure out the numerology of this. It's, yeah, it's it was, pretty amazing. It was, uh, yeah, it was... No, well, I'm definitely not 34. <laughs> You're not 34. I'm... Um, I'm, I'm Lawson's kind of worried. Yeah, he's right tongue tied. He's speechless. <laughs> what do I do? Like people think thirteen I'm 34. years away from turning thirty-four. So. Wow! So, so to the only eligible young women out there, <laughs> Man, yeah. I'm let's um, let's let's, let's go to our Bible study. Maybe. <laughs> let's let's, let's um, <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So where are we up to? We're up to we're, we're in Ezra we're in chapter Nehemiah. one. Right? We Ezra, are Ezra, Ezra and Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a number of lists here in these two chapter in these two books, um, and the story really is about the success of the return of the uh, Jews to the land mm. of Israel. Um, and um, Lawson, I wonder whether you could read for us Nehemiah chapter seven and verse seventy-three. I think oh. we'll start there. Nehemiah chapter seven and verse seventy. It's not very often I get to, talk, to ask somebody to turn to verse <clears throat> seventy-three. Mm. It's it's rare. How many books in the how many chapters in the Bible have that many verses? Well, Psalms one hundred and nineteen, I know, definitely yeah. has more than that. Seventeen chapters. There are seventeen chapters. That ah, that's a random. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is impressive. <laughs> 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 that's my number for the day. 
That yeah, oh, if that was that was actually true, I would be very impressed. Your Bible <laughs> trivia is just you know off the charts, <laughs> off the charts. Okay, uh, let's read verse seventy-three. So the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and some of the common people settled near Jerusalem. The rest of the people returned to their own towns throughout Israel. Okay, so you've got um, the Jews who are living in their towns and in their cities and in their houses. They have accomplished the work of rebuilding the city of Jerusalem. They have rebuilt the temple. They have rebuilt the wall. And they are now secure and at peace, Mm. Mm. which is an incredible accomplishment. Now, I'm wondering whether we can think of other examples that are similar to this where you have a nation that has been sent into exile for 40, 60, 70 years or more, um, as in the entire nation has been uprooted, sent into exile, and then has returned Hmm. to their land, rebuilt it from scratch. Everybody's kind of going silent, thinking hard. searching deep in the... the crevices of my mind for for this nation. Well, it just doesn't usually happen. Usually no, they just dissipate. No. Yeah. And by this stage, you know, we're about 150 years down the track. Mm. Um, and this is something that, uh, you know, there's, there's an important lesson here we can learn for ourselves because I'm sure that for the Israelites when they went into captivity, it looked hopeless. Mm. You know, the, they had seen what happened to the northern nation of Israel where they'd been taken into Assyrian captivity some years beforehand and just vanished. Mm. You know, you, you take a population into captivity, you exile them to a foreign land, and once you have, you know, the native born of that land grow up, mm. they don't know any different. You know, if you look back at Australia, for instance, there were a lot of people who were exiled to Australia. Mm. And Australia for them was a very, very foreign country. You know, the, the bark fell off the trees and still of the leaves. I mean, how weird is that? <laughs> um, they're coming out from England, which is damp and wet and cool, um, and they're landing in this country and, you know, riding back home. One of the early um, scientists who came to Australia wrote back that the Australian bush is the surest evidence on earth that God cursed the earth um, after the fall. <laughs> that is amazing. This is the surest evidence that you'll find anywhere. Well, that was like when you know the, when the Dutch came. They just didn't before. appreciate gum trees. <laughs> what <laughs> about the spiders and the snakes? Yeah, and, and of course, you know, we have that reputation around the world where everybody's terrified of Australia, like everybody's trying to kill you in Australia. It's the best because then they leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> I but, guess there's another but, time, but. But I want to move on, if I could, just for a moment. Hold that thought, Sven. Sorry. I just want to, I just want to bring this out for, for a moment. So you've got all of these people. They've been exiled to this country. It is a very foreign country. The blistering heat, the dryness, um, you know, the dull green of our gum trees compared to the, 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 the deep green that you get from you know, places like Ireland. A lot of them are Irish, and, of course, that's known, as, known for its greenness. Um, very, very, like almost a, a, an alien planet that they have landed on. They come here, they have children here, their children are born here, and those children see this country very, very differently. This is their mm. home. Mm. They go back to England, it's like it's cold, it's damp, it's wet, it's like who would want to live here? 
Mm. It's very, very foreign to them. And you're going to have this kind of thing happening amongst the descendants of the um, the Jews that are in captivity in Babylon. Babylonia is their home. Now, Sven, you had an important point you're about to bring out. Well, I think the, the thing which came to mind is this, this has happened to the Jews a number of times down through history. Yeah. So you had Abraham, his descendants got sent down to Egypt, Egypt and they came back again after 400 30 years. Uh, you had them coming back out of Babylon. And then, more recently, 1948, uh, you had mm. a whole lot of Jews coming back to their homeland again. It's a sort of recurring theme. Uh, Does me. this happen with any other nation on the planet? Like, if somebody can give me an example, please call 1 800 324 843 is the number. I'm not saying there is not an example. Uh, yeah, fully. We're just well, all sitting here in silence looking at each other like, uh... Well, I guess I guess the thing is that there's individuals. So there's, like, you could have, yeah. like, you could have some English people that come out to Australia and then they go back. Or South Africa or some people go back to the States or whatever. Mm. But... But you don't necessarily have whole nations you, coming home. What generation Australian are you, Dr. Me. Sven? Yes. Uh, effectively second generation. So you're second generation. Yes. From Scandinavia, right? Well, my dad is from Scandinavia and my mum is from New Zealand. Okay. All right. You're a mixed bag. Swedish Kiwi. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, do you ever have a, a a feeling in your mind? So, your second, so you were actually born here in Australia. No, I wasn't. But that, that's another story. Okay, yeah. that's another story. But, but effectively, effectively, yes. Yeah, grew up in Australia. Do you ever have that thing in your mind? Like, you know what? I think I'll move back to uh, New Zealand or or Scandinavia or. Oh, look, I I would be very very happy to to live in Sweden. <laughs> Um, or or New Zealand. I mean, they're amazing places, but um, it's not on the top of my bucket list, if you know what I mean. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So the sunburnt country that we have here in Australia has kind of come home, become home for you. It has, it has. Whereas for your parents, you know, your dad is always going to look at Sweden is being home, I would imagine, and your mum is New Zealand is being New home. Zealand. Well, they are in New Zealand, so they're 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 all over there. That is that is their their actual mm. home. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Whereas me, I'm just like my 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 great 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 grandfather, whoever it was, was a convict. Like yes, I'm, I'm just. Thick. I found out about a year ago my um, ancestor was a convict. So, nice. so why was he sent out? Did he steal a loaf of bread? That oh, cliche kind of I, I convict know. story? I have no idea. Well, yeah. My, so on my dad's side, it's like convicts. And on my mum's side, it's Irishmen. So it's wow. just like... Just rebel all the way through. I'm just meant to be here. This is this. I, I have the Australian spirit. Like <laughs> I don't care about anything. <laughs> You'll be here for the term of your natural life. Oh. Hopefully, I love Australia. Let's mm. let's let's stay here. And and this is what you find. I mean, I've lived in a foreign country for you know a number of years. And when I lived in the United States mm. for two and a half years, which was the longest stint that I did over there, it's a very easy country to live in. It's an English speaking country. You can adapt to the culture remarkably easy. And 
it would be incredibly easy to stay. Mm. I'm married to a United States citizen, so I can, you know, almost automatically get a green card. I've got no criminal record, so, you know. <laughs> well, don't know about that. Don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure we can dig it, it up. Big claims. <laughs> it can be easy to stay, and if I had stayed, and there was, you know, when I was studying in the United States, I had a number of friends who were from Australia, and they married Americans as well, and they stayed, and their children have grown up in the United States, and they just don't look at Australia as being home. Mm. You know, they're, they're not planning to come back. Yeah, there's, 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 there's no huge plans to go and live in Australia. And with my boys, of course, they're born to an American mother. They've got American citizenship. They've got no great, you know, plans to move to the United States. It's an option that is always going to be there and available for them. But they're always going to look at Australia as being home. And so. <clears throat> Let's think about this then from the perspective of um, the Jewish people when they come back from this exile. It's a little bit different to, say, moving to Sweden or New Zealand or the United States. It would be more akin to moving to, say, Ethiopia, where Lawson and I were earlier in the year, except that there's a lot less people there and it's pretty much just gone wild. Mm. You know, you're going back to where there is actually nothing. Mm. It would be much more like being sent to Australia as a convict because you're being, you know, you, you well, not as a convict, but somebody who actually chooses to come down here and chooses to go to this alien country because, you know, there would be very, very few people who would have been going back in the return of the exiles who had actually... Uh, lived in Palestine. I mean, you're dealing with a, a, a point in history where the average lifespan, people were only living into their 40s. And, you know, the, the longest part of the exile was 70 years long. The shortest part was 40 years long. And so you've got um, the majority of people are going back are, um, you know, second generation Babylonian Jews. Mm. Of course, there is always the, the motivation is, it's like, this is our land, you know, because it, it, it's interesting to me. It's like, oh, well, like, for the, for example, all the people who were sent to Australia had absolutely no motivation to come here, like, other than maybe, like, guys who were, you know, Captain Cook who wanted to discover Australia. Like, they are all criminals who were being sent here as punishment, which is probably the best punishment ever because Australia is so great. But it's like, you know, their only motivation to come back is from hearing it from their parents or whoever it was that we used to live in this place. One day we're going to go back there, you know, Ezra, Nehemiah, like these guys. That's the only motivation they had to be there, really. Not even that they necessarily, you know, were super stoked and going. Okay, so while we're talking about motivation, when the Jews were in Egypt, what was their motivation to return to the Promised Land? Mm, that they were in slavery. They were slaves. Mm. In 1947, what was their motivation to return to the... Land of Palestine, 48, 47, 48. Well, in 1948, it was like they were just being brutally killed and dispersed. With so it was the, it was the Holocaust. Mm. Mm. So what was their motivation in um, the Babylonian exile? Let me, let me just read this um, uh, from um, a Bible commentary. It says, By now the Jews who remained in the land of exile had been there for almost a century and a half. Excavations of Nippur have brought to light numerous documents that show many wealthy Jews living in the region of Mesopotamia during the reign of Artaxerxes I. 
So Jews being Jews, they've moved to Babylon and um, they've found cleaned business up. opportunity and they have cleaned up. It's just, it's their thing. They make money wherever they go, hmm. you know. Um, they blessed by God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so they have become wealthy. They have grown up there. This is their homeland. Uh, they speak the language. They know the know and understand the culture. What's their motivation for going back? Mm. Kind of got kind of got silence here in the studio yeah. all of a sudden. It's like I'm 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 sitting here scratching my head. Like if I was a Jew at that particular time, why? Why well, go back to basically a pile of ruins that has been overgrown by bush? To start rebuilding it. Maybe it had to do with the temple because they had this deep Fuck. connection with the, the temple that they were the sort of custodians of the the physical building that housed the presence of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is what I see right here. Their motivation going back was to rebuild their temple and to worship God. And so when you when you see them and they do go back, of course, one of the very first things that they do is to, you know, rebuild the temple. They rebuild the temple before they, you know, long before they rebuild the walls around the city or any of these kinds of other aspects of the uh, rebuilding and resettling of the land. But it was to reestablish the worship of God. And, um, you know, when we look at the numbers, yeah, there was... Um, small numbers that went back really compared to how many would have left in the first place. But in some ways, what you have happening is a a cleansing or a shaking and a sifting, to use kind of older terminology, mm. where those who were more layered a scene, I'm just sort of throwing out um, Christian... Um, <laughs> Language here, left, right, and center. But those who were kind of slack mm. were weeded out, and only the really devout are going to go back. So, Lyle, my question for that comes to mind is this: is in what way is God calling us to restore worship in our lives? Mm. Does does it mean that we should be channeling? Uh, thousands, millions, billions of dollars back to Israel to rebuild mm. the temple, which is no longer there. There's only the the Western Wall, which is just a retaining wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the the temple is gone. Is that is that the is that how we should be restoring worship, or is there a another way that we can be restoring worship in our lives? That's a really really good question, and of course there are a number of Christian groups that are very, very keen, you know, they're breeding cattle for sacrifices, they are raising money, they are sending money to Israel for that very purpose. To answer your question, um, I would look at the destruction of the temple by the Romans and ask the question, why did God allow that to happen? My answer would be that after Jesus died on Calvary, the veil of that temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. You know, this is a vial that's, what, 30 metres high and a hand's breadth thick. You know, that's what's that, like 400 millimetres thick? Not 400, uh, uh, 100 millimetres thick. Mm. Mm. Um, that's one thick curtain. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Okay, so when you this was a supernatural thing. God was God was clearly demonstrating that these services were over and that they were done with. And a continuation of those services was a denial of Jesus Christ. Mm. Mm. Which is why God allowed it to be destroyed in the first place. And so I can't see anything positive about the rebuilding of that temple in Jerusalem because reestablishing those sacrifices would be simply a denial of Jesus Christ and all that he's done for us. Mm. We mm. need to be rebuilding the temple of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, mm. And we need to be inviting Jesus to come into our lives. Anyway, that's a... Uh, Oh, we got to the best thought right at the end of our section. This is Fernando Ortega, Jesus, lover of my soul.
Just grace with thee is found, grace to cover all my sin. Let the healing streams abound, make and keep me pure within. Thou of life, the fountain art, freely let me take of thee. back guys that was fernando ortega jesus lover of my soul of course that was by special request of uh, somebody who called in and uh, requested that particular song we didn't catch all of the message and so yes if you were the one who requested that song give us a call back and hopefully we can get the uh the full message our number is 1-800-324-843 lawson what's the next clue for okay, our quiz next clue for the quiz is the number of tribes of israel whose names appear on the gates of the New Jerusalem. That's very specific. It is very specific. Yes. So, if you want to go to Revelation chapter 7? Because there are a number of different numbers of tribes of Israel that you could have. Yes. But this There's is not the 17. One. It's not se- <laughs> Okay, it's not 17. All right. Just, just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. It's not 34. 34. <laughs> but um, it is a number that you'll find in the Bible somewhere, well, on the gates of the New Jerusalem. So, therefore, if you know what it is, give us a call 1 800 324 843 and you will win a prize. Okay, so before we went to the music break, we were talking about the re- rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. And um, we were mentioning that, there, yes, there are Christians who raise money for that particular project. Sven, what are your thoughts on that? Why do you think there are Christians who are raising money to rebuild a temple where practices that deny Jesus will take place? The the simple reason is because they are studying their Bible, which is a good thing. Uh, so they're reading through the Bible and the there's prophecies in the Old Testament uh, which talk about uh, the the temple and uh, the land of Israel becoming, you know, God blessing it and that it becomes prominent in the whole world. Uh, so, so I would I would really commend Christians and and anyone who's who's studying the Bible. However, it is really important to read the Old Testament prophecies in the light of the New Testament, and in particular, you know, Jesus said um, clearly, clearly said that he was the temple. Mm. That um, uh, you know, if they destroyed the temple, he'd be able to rebuild it. And what he was talking about was his own body. And if you go to the to the the New Testament as well, the the temple is always uh, the the people of God. It's it's a shift, a major major shift uh, which occurs. And I totally agree with you, Lyle. That I see the this whole concept of reinstating animal sacrifices as a real distraction. Uh, mm. from the work that Jesus did. 
He he died on the cross. It's finished. It's done. That's what he said on the cross. It is finished. And so we need to be looking to what um, Jesus did. The other thing, which I think is really significant, Lyle, as well, is that it's distracting us from the work that Jesus is doing in the heavenly sanctuary. Mm. That is such an important point right there. So, so we, we are going, we are, we are reinstating animal sacrifice. We're making a physical building. When, what Jesus, where is Jesus now? What is, what is he doing right now? It's, it's a focus of the heavenly sanctuary. And when you read through Revelation, which, which is like the, the fulfillment, the capstone of all the Old Testament prophecies, their focus is never on an earthly uh, temple. Mm. It is always the temple in heaven. That's like the control room that's you know you think of those um you know there's the nasa control room or the power stations where all the big tv screens are and they got all the buttons and computers and they're watching everything that's happening the picture that you get in the new testament is that the heavenly sanctuary is like that control room everything that occurs is is centered in the heavenly sanctuary jesus issues commands he does things and so i would say this is one of the big things that we need to be understanding what is jesus doing for you and me right now in the heavenly sanctuary Mm. Over 100 references in the book of Revelation to the sanctuary, and not a single one of them is a reference to the one that's on earth. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, just, that's just massive. I wanted to read one of those um, Old Testament prophecies and just illustrate this point very quickly because, um, you know, it was blasphemy for the Jews to continue doing animal sacrifices after God had very clearly brought that system to an end. You can't get anything clearer than the the tearing of the veil, you know, when Jesus died on Calvary. Um, In Amos, uh, where are we, chapter 9, the Bible says, In that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen, that's the temple, and close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. Um, and, you know, when you read down through this whole prophecy, it's a prophecy of victory, it's a prophecy of celebration, it's a very, very positive prophecy. And so you've got this contrast here between where God destroys the temple because of the blasphemy of continuing its use after Jesus Christ versus prophecies that say this is the best thing that will ever happen is the rebuilding of the temple. Mm. You know, is God confused right here? Or is the Bible actually talking about two different things? Mm. Now, you know, with a prophecy like this, we've got two different options. Option number one is we can sit here and come up with an interpretation of the prophecy. And if I was to read it um, at surface level um, without putting any study or thought into it, uh, then I could read this prophecy and say, okay, there's coming a time in the future when the temple will be rebuilt. Um, However... If I wanted to dig a little bit deeper, I would look for what interpretation does the Bible place on this prophecy? Mm. Mm. And then you can choose. Do you want to go with my interpretation that I made up or the Bible's interpretation? Mm. Which one do you guys want? The Bible. You the want Bible. the Bible's interpretation. Okay. But just read that again for me. Does it say that we will build a, rebuild the temple or does it say that it God says, will rebuild the temple? It says, in that day, I, God will raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen. Wow. It says God will rebuild the temple. So so it's not it's not our money that's going to rebuild the temple. I, I think there's it is God really, who's going to rebuild yes. it. Yes. Okay, if you go to Acts chapter 15, you have the Bible. You have God's interpretation of this prophecy. And 
obviously once you've got God's interpretation of what this prophecy is all about, then we need to apply that across the board. And suddenly there's no contradiction anywhere in Scripture. God mm. is not being double-minded and saying one in one place, you know, this is a bad thing, so I need to destroy this temple. And in another place, oh, no, I've destroyed the temple. I need to rebuild it again. You know, mm. God never made a mistake when he had the temple destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. Let's go to Acts chapter 15, and Sven, can you read for us verse 16, please? Acts chapter 15 and verse 16. It says this, After this I'll return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it. Okay, mine says the word tabernacle, which means the uh, temple. Place where, where God dwells. Okay, so what, what you've got here is that James is quoting from the book of Amos. Mm. It's fantastic. This is the Jerusalem Council, and he is applying this prophecy to the Christian church. And so in other words, as you were saying earlier, uh, Dr. Sven, the, um, the temple becomes a symbol for God's church. Mm. It becomes a symbol for Jesus being reproduced and, you know, um, being rebuilt, as it were, within his people. So it comes back to my question, Lyle, in terms of if if we're the church, if 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 God's people are the church and the tabernacle and uh, the temple, then how can we restore true worship in God's God's mm. temple? And really, that's the question we need to be focusing yeah. on: is how do we restore true, true worship, worship? Mm. and you know, restoring true worship, it begins with us as an individual. Mm. It begins in our heart. It begins in our mind. It begins with our decisions. It begins with us worshiping God. Mm. You know, and of course, it builds from there. And there's a lot of other things that, that that come into worship, but that's where it starts. The the second thing, following on from that as well. So it starts with us. But there's if we go back to Abraham, and Abraham was the the guy who first kind of um, was given the promise of the the land he started family worship wherever yes. he went yes and that's an so, okay so it starts well. with us as an individual and then goes to our family and then extends to our family and it does not stop there either because mm. then it extends to our wider family our community which is our church mm. and i find many people like oh religion in, re- religion is an individual thing it shouldn't go past you no it, you have a responsibility to your family, family. And your community. And your community. And, of course, Jesus communicated the growing nature of Christianity, you know, that it starts in Judea and Samaria and to the Gentiles and to the end of the earth. You know, that's what we're called to because mm. God wants And everyone. this is what James is talking about when he talks about the rebuilding of the temple. He's mm. talking about the spread of the gospel around the world and the spread of true worship around the world. Just before this one comes on, um, this is a song that was requested by Rolf. Uh, he wanted to hear. Um, this song is called The Mother's Side. We found a version by Jan Buckner. So, yeah, enjoy. This is On the Mother's Side by Jan Buckner. Out to Rolf. Stumps the ass, how, when, and where, and who. 
Hey, I'm Julia from Warrigal Seventh-day Adventist Youth. We meet every Saturday morning at 10am for an open discussion about Bible topics concerning our youth today. We're open to everyone wanting to join us and we'd love to see you there. Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown maybe, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
Welcome back, guys. That was uh, Lauren Daigle with Light of the World. And, of course, one of the great advantages to listening to the live show is that, yes, you can call in and request songs, and where possible, we will do our best to find them and to play them if we have them available for you. We've come time for our question of the day. Before we do, I don't think anyone's got the quiz yet. No. Maybe we should have another clue. Okay. Um... Ooh. Are you going to make one up? Yeah, I'm thinking right. about it. How many dis- disciples did Jesus have? Yeah, how many disciples What number am Jesus? I? Give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number, and you can uh, win a prize. Uh, I shouldn't have made it that easy, should I? I was trying to come up with a personal one. Just, just like a... <laughs> <laughs> I beat you to it. <laughs> Lawson, <laughs> what's our question of the okay, day? Okay, question of the day. It's a bit of a long one, uh, but here we go. Uh, this is from Darren. It is God's free gifts for salvation can be summarized as saved by grace alone in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, justified by faith alone in Romans 5 and verse 1, and, um, and that is through Christ alone. Yet there are two phases which are repeated often in the New Testament which seem to indicate extra things that we have to do in order to be saved. For example, believe in Christ and you will be saved um, and repent for forgiveness of sin. Is this true? Yes, and as Christians, we often try to break down. We love to study minutiae and break everything down into all of the minute little parts and figure out which piece goes where and how it all fits together, Mm. Um, whereas it's all really um, ridiculously simple. And um, when we talk about believing in God and repenting of sins, that's all a part of being saved by grace and being justified by grace. And I'd also include in there being sanctified by grace. Mm. Because, you know, we often try and separate justification and sanctification. But, you know, if sanctification is not present, justification hasn't taken place. Mm. Because the whole purpose of becoming a Christian is our life being changed. Anyway, let me put it this way, maybe. Uh, There is one thing that we must do ourselves in relationship to our salvation, and that is to choose Jesus Christ. Mm. Because God will never ever do that for us. Um, that is the one the one act that we do, and that is surrender our life to Jesus Christ. If God was to step in and perform that act for us, then freedom of choice would not exist. Um, and I know we mentioned this once before, and somebody had some questions about it. So send me some more questions on it. Predestination would be a thing. Mm. And if freedom of choice does not exist, if predestination is a thing, then love does not exist because love cannot exist without the power of choice. Mm. So that's the one thing that we must do. The rest Christ does for us, in us, through us, etc. And so when we come to repentance, let me just uh, look at a passage of the Bible here from Romans. Where's Romans? Right here. Let me just find this. Chapter 2. Verse 4, it says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Repentance is simply uh, being sorry for things you've done wrong. Mm. And uh, repentance, the Bible says, is a gift from God. It is the goodness of God, the Bible says, that leads us to repentance. And so repentance comes from God. Repentance, you know, how do you separate repentance from justification? You know, these are sort of, they're, they're inseparable concepts because why would you be forgiven of your sin if you are not sorry for your sin? And so, yeah, we like to, you know, and if we wanted to, we could break salvation down into a whole bunch more chunks than just, you know, saved by grace through 
faith, um, you know, justified through faith in Christ alone, etc., and have all these little different uh, lists. And I, I, I read a Bible study one time where I think um, somebody had created seven steps to salvation. There's another Bible study where somebody has three steps to salvation. There's probably a Bible study out there with 20 steps to salvation. If you want to give your life to Jesus Christ right now, it is very simple. Just get down on your knees. Tell Jesus that you want him to be your Lord. That means the person who's in control of your life. That you want him to be your savior. That's the person who saves you. And that you want him to be your best friend. And you will receive salvation right there. It is really that simple. Mm. Justification, sanctification, um, repentance, Forgiveness, all of those things that we love to talk about as Christians and study in depth really come into that one simple act of making that full surrender to Jesus Christ. Strange, the path we choose I've tried but failed to walk in someone else's shoes Strange how I've tried To walk this road alone Not knowing the things I might find goes on But now the fears of living life for me are gone I know that your love can save me from myself in ways I can't explain my sin I know I'm 
Welcome back to Faith FM. We have uh, we've come to the end of our show. We have. This has been quite up and down, turbulent, um, but good. It's been awesome. Doctor Zven has been yes. part of the show. It's been good to be here. Always love it when uh, Doctor Zven comes and joins <laughs> us. Mm. We're about to give something away, and I'm super excited about this one because it's probably it's probably my favourite giveaway that we've had since we've been on Faith FM <laughs> outside of the Bible. I think because it's about tractors. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like tractors and who doesn't like enormous, enormous ancient old tractors? In fact, this this book is about uh, the largest tractor in the world when it was built, and it was built here in Australia. Um, it's the uh, Frank and Margaret Bottrell story about Big Lizzie, the tractor that they built for outback work, um, yeah, way back in like, what, 1900-something or other. Um, and the work that they did with that tractor, but not just that tractor, but it's about the work that they did as human beings for the good of all the people around them. This is a children's book and would make an amazing Christmas present. Yes. So if you uh, would like to get your copy of Full Steam Ahead, hard copy, fully illustrated children's book on the story of Big Lizzie and Frank and Margaret Bottrell and the work that they did in Outback Australia in not just clearing land and carting wheat but also in uh, spreading the gospel then you're going to need to give us a call right now 1-800-324-843 is the number to call and this will be yours um, or you can text us on 0491-064-669 I'd encourage any children to call in this morning um, this is part of the Angel Said Australia series. Of course, we love having your company here on uh, Faith FM in the morning, Faith FM in the mornings, and we look forward to your company again tomorrow morning. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, by his wounds we are healed He was pierced for our transgressions He was crushed for our sins The punishment that brought us peace Was upon him By his wounds, by his wounds we are healed And the life that you gave We are healed for you paid the price By your grace we are saved We are saved He was pierced for our transgressions And crushed for our sins punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds by his wounds we are here
Nothing. 